brought to you by Charity Mobile, the phone company that sends 5% of your monthly plan price to your favorite charity. No contracts, nationwide coverage, risk-free guarantee. Learn more at CharityMobile.com. Bishop Joseph Strickland is a widely beloved bishop who is the target of a concerted effort by media personalities on the America Magazine, National Catholic Reporter, and Where Peter Is wing of Catholic media. Those outlets were all jubilant when the news of the apostolic visitation to Strickland's diocese was revealed. And since that news broke, unfortunately, there's been a constant drumbeat of attacks leveled against him in response to every single public statement he makes. In response to that, a group of laity has written a public letter to the Apostolic Nuncio. If you're not familiar with the Apostolic Nuncio, it is, it is the Vatican's ambassador to the Church in the U.S. and to the United States itself. I'll have that letter for you in full towards the end of this, but let's begin with the smears against Bishop's, uh, Bishop Strickland. His high crime is sharing his thoughts on Twitter about all things related to the crisis in the Church. The recent attacks began when he shared an article on Twitter. And the article in question is by Kevin Wells and was published by Crisis Magazine with the title, In This Wintertime Only the Catholic Way Will Save Us. The article is a critique of the Synod on Synodality. Bishop Strickland shared it with this quote, I'm reminded of an old movie, Something Wicked This Way Comes. Brace for October and prepare to hold fast to the truth of Christ. He is yesterday, today, and forever. He is not up for discussion. He is the truth incarnate. End quote. And he says brace for October because that is when the fall meeting of the bishops and cardinals in Rome for the final phase of the Synod on Synodality is set to begin. Battles for maintaining the integrity of the faith are absolutely going to happen there if they happen at all. And we'll have a better idea of the scope and scale of the apostasy in the church that's being led from the top during that meeting. And I'll remind people that the cardinals who claim to have read the Fatima message all said that the real third secret of Fatima was about an apostasy from the faith led by the top of the church. Now let that thought work in your mind if you like. But Strickland was saying something rather basic and truthful. Cling to the faith, pray for a good outcome at the Synod on Synodality, because the Synod has looked like a movement of apostasy in the church, and that certain things are just not up for discussion, including the reality of our Lord. To deny this is to deny reality, though, but that's precisely what the Pope's planners and Francis partisans have been doing. Strickland received some angry responses to this in the form of quote tweets from the likes of one Brian Fraga, who is a staff writer for the National Catholic Reporter. Now over on Twitter, he said, quote, The Catholic Bishop of Tyler, Texas, apparently referring to the Synod on Synodality as something wicked, yet his diocese took part in the synodal process and released this report reflecting local listening sessions that mirror what other dioceses heard, end quote. He links to the report, the synodal report from Strickland's diocese. But of course, all that wasn't enough for Mr. Fraga, though, who is part of the seemingly coordinated attack on the character of Bishop Strickland. On the 19th of August, the bishop shared an article from the American Thinker about Cardinal Supich's embrace of the Antichrist system of universalism at the World Parliament of Religions, a topic I covered last week on this channel. Strickland shared the article on Twitter with a quote from the article, which earned him this smear by Mr. Fraga. Quote, Already the subject of a Vatican investigation, the controversial Catholic Bishop of Tyler, Texas, sharing an essay attacking the Cardinal Archbishop of Chicago for attending the 2023 Parliament of the World's Religions being held this year in the Windy City. End quote. 
The colloquialism that comes to mind is that Bishop Strickland is living rent-free in the heads of people like Brian Fraga, who are hungry to assist Francis in taking down Bishop Strickland and getting in his place either a true believer in the ape of the church or, at the very least, someone who will dutifully just do what he's told. Either would be acceptable. But what did Strickland say that was so offensive to these people? His crime was sharing an article that was written by a non-Catholic in the, in the case of the second article. And in that second article, they were celebrating the Catholic Church taking down the crystal-waving animal worshippers of a bygone lost era. The author of that piece criticizes Cardinal Supic for participating in an ecumenical meeting with people Scripture tells us worships literal demons. The author points out that the annihilation of that whole view, that whole system was critical to making the modern world possible. And that if the Catholic Church is going to abandon the basic principle of opposing that system, then what principle will the Church give up next? I have the answer to that question. It's whatever principle is required to get along with the powers of the world. But that's not the Church giving up those principles. It's the ape of the Church. It's the new religion, which was birthed at Vatican II and went through growing pains these past several decades before the rise of Francis. We've seen the, th the things Francis has advocated for, also advocated for, and done by his predecessors, just not with the same vim and vigor that he does them. It's just that with Francis, he does it in a much more blunt, overt way than his predecessors would have ever done. And it's opposing this that is apparently schismatic in the minds of the Pope's planners. But whenever someone accuses a good bishop or good priest or any of us of being in schism, it's always good to ask the basic question. In schism, with what precisely? This stuff is frankly not Catholicism, and it's long since past time to stop pretending that it is. These attacks on Bishop Strickland will continue until Rome finally acts against him, if they do at all. That with, now, that having been said, a group of laymen have written an open letter to the Vatican in support of Bishop Strickland. They did so in the aftermath of the apostolic visitation. I have it here for you in full because the modernist media is trying to make it look like there's a groundswell of opposition against him, when that really couldn't be further from the truth. So here's the letter from the lady, which was shared by Deacon Keith Fournier on Facebook. It is addressed to the Apostolic Nuncio. This letter is offered in fidelity to Christ and his church on behalf of the Catholic faithful in the Diocese of Tyler, Texas. We respectfully address this matter consistent with our rights and in obedience to our obligations under the canon law of the Catholic Church, particularly canons 208 to 223, which state that, the Christian faithful are free to make known to the pastors of the church their needs, especially spiritual ones, and their desires, and have the right and even the times, the duty to manifest to the sacred pastors their opinion on matters which pertain to the good of the church and to make their opinion known to the rest of the Christian faithful. We wish to raise our grave concern with the recent apostolic visitation of Bishop Joseph E. Strickland in the Diocese of Tyler by papal representatives. There are two grounds for our concern. First, no special circumstances exist in the Diocese of Tyler, whether spiritual or administrative, that warrant an apostolic visitation. Second, the visit to a diocese without such special circumstances, when public and demonstrably grave circumstances of heterodoxy and moral failure exist in other unvisited dioceses worldwide, raises legitimate questions about the justice and charity of the process, as well as potentially gives rise to scandal among the faithful. No one knows the character and ministry of Bishop Joseph E. Strickland like the Catholic faithful of this diocese. He has been in our homes, 
faithfully preached the gospel to us, baptized our children, corrected us when necessary, and buried our dead for as long as many can remember. In all respects, he is a faithful bishop and son of Holy Mother Church. The existence and content of this letter are entirely unknown to Bishop Strickland or any other clerics within or without the diocese. He would likely would not approve of such action by the faithful. But our concerns are only secondarily related to Bishop Strickland and the Diocese of Tyler. This communication concerns our superior obligation to truth, justice, charity, and our love for the Catholic Church. We express our filial love for the Holy Father and respect for the visitors assigned to conduct the recent canonical visit, and we make no claim to all the facts surrounding the recent apostolic visit. However, we possess relevant information regarding our bishop and functioning of the diocese. We humbly submit that it is reasonable to conclude that the knowledge of the Catholic faithful in the diocese regarding the bishop and the spiritual administrative functioning of the diocese is, in many ways, greater than outside visitors with transient investigative mission of extremely short duration. For this reason, we request that, in the interest of justice and truth, great weight be given to the widespread support and opinions of the faithful of the Diocese of Tyler, who have more reason to know Bishop Strickland than perhaps anyone else. For decades, Bishop Strickland's preaching and public statements have affirmed and defended the deposit of faith found within the canonical books of sacred scripture and sacred tradition, and indefectibly preserved by the ordinary and extraordinary magisterium of the Catholic Church. This is widely known and appreciated in our diocese. It is well known that canonical visitations are conducted by papal representatives with a transient mission of short duration to investigate special circumstances in the diocese and to submit a report to the Holy See after the investigation. While no doubt specific complaints and or allegations triggered the apostolic visitation to the Diocese of Tyler. We know who the diocese and the bishop well, however, assert that no special circumstances in our diocese exist warranting an apostolic visitation. The diocese is spiritually healthy. There is no heterodoxy, no mishandling of Ted McCarrick problems, no internal corruption, and no public moral failures by the bishop or clergy members. Even when Bishop Strickland perceived it his duty to oppose error publicly, he has always done so with charity, distinguishing between persons or offices into error. This is to be expected from all the successors of the apostles who are commissioned to teach with the authority of Jesus Christ. If objections have been raised to Bishop Strickland's very rare oppositions to the actions or teachings of a clergy member, or even a member of the hierarchy, that criticism itself is not an automatic or sufficient basis for canonical action. As sacred scripture, sacred tradition, St. Augustine and St. Thomas Aquinas make clear, fraternal correction is a work of mercy and may be publicly necessary when it is the only or surest way to protect the common good. There are undeniable and numerous scandals, moral, scandalous moral failures among the clergy. This is not the case in the Diocese of Tyler. Weekly mass attendances drop precipitously almost everywhere, but not in the Diocese of Tyler. If it is believed that statements by Bishop Strickland have been rash and against the rule of prudence, justice requires that the specific statements be subjected to the rigorous and transparent scrutiny of truth. Given that statements intended as an exercise of the work of mercy are only against the rule of prudence when they are formed without sufficient certitude. Finally, if they exist, administrative shortcomings are correctable unless they rise to the level of demonstrable corruption, constitute intentional mismanagement, or reveal administrative incompetence that demonstrably harms the mission and work of the diocese. Such is not the case here. While some administrative shortcomings exist in virtually all organizations, the Diocese of Tyler has no apparent issues that constitute special circumstances warranting an apostolic visitation. The visit to a diocese without special circumstances warranting a canonical visit. While some dioceses are publicly known to administrative problems, some bishops 
make heterodox public statements without such a visit appears unjust and gives rise to scandal. Neither the diocese of Tyler nor its bishop are without imperfections and weaknesses. Nonetheless, it is a healthy diocese, and Bishop Strickland is an orthodox and pastoral bishop when the worldwide Catholic Church needs such shepherds due to the grave crises she faces. There are undeniable and numerous scandalous moral failures among the clergy. This is not the case in the Diocese of Tyler. Weekly mass attendances drop precipitously almost everywhere, but not in the Diocese of Tyler. It is reported that the number of people who left the practice of the Catholic faith increased from under 2 million in 1975 to over 30 million today. But the Diocese of Tyler is growing. Statements contrary to the faith are widely made throughout the church by clerics and even members of the hierarchy, but not in the Diocese of Tyler. Still, the Diocese of Tyler receives an apostolic visitation, while others with obvious special circumstances go unvisited and uncorrected. We are deeply concerned that it is not quite right when a diocese like the Diocese of Tyler and a bishop like Joseph Strickland receive an investigative apostolic visitation, while scores of severe errors in other dioceses go uninvestigated. This reality cannot help but raise serious questions about the justice of the recent apostolic visitation to Tyler, Texas. Worse, it could lead to the spiritual evil of scandal. We are not suggesting that the apostolic visit to the Diocese of Tyler was evil. For the faithful to make such a claim could by itself be a great evil. But St. Thomas Aquinas noted that the people are said to take scandal when they are led to sin because of another person's act that is not quite right. We are particularly concerned with what Holy Scripture calls the scandal of the little ones, when people are scandalized because of their weakness. We are deeply concerned that it is not quite right when a diocese like the Diocese of Tyler and Bishop Joseph Strickland receive an investigative ap apostolic visitation while the scores of severe errors in other dioceses go uninvestigated. We are, after all, only lay faithful, and we are weak, but we know our bishop, our diocese, and we are disturbed by a process that appears insufficiently supported by evidence of the sort, an extent that would justify an apostolic investigation when compared with the scores of public things in the worldwide church that do break our hearts. In conclusion, Your Excellency, we are addressing this letter to you because you are the Holy Father's personal and official representative to the Church in the United States. We respectfully request two things of you. First, we request that you take the steps necessary to communicate the depth of the concerns of the Catholic faithful in the Diocese of Tyler to the Holy Father. Second, we request that you communicate to the Holy Father the filial appeal, that we not be left without the local shepherd who has taken so seriously his appeal to be a shepherd with the smell of the sheep. We humbly request your blessing and assure you of our prayers, our filial devotion to the Vicar of Christ, and our fidelity to the whole deposit of faith indefectibly preserved by the ordinary and extraordinary magisterium of the Church. Faithfully, the Catholic faithful of the Diocese of Tyler, Texas. I think that letter makes the feelings of the laity pretty clear, and it should be contrasted to the clearly coordinated media campaign being waged against him by the likes of the National Catholic Reporter, America Magazine, where Peter is, and a bunch of other modernist, hyper-papalist outlets that teach that Francis can do no wrong, and that anyone who opposes him and his errors is in fact evil, as one outlet actually called Bishop Strickland. They actually called him evil. I'm curious, though, what do you think about this? Let me know what you thought about all this in the comments. Are you surprised by the attacks on Bishop Strickland and his character? Are these attacks only going to get worse until Rome does whatever it's going to do to him in the aftermath of the apostolic visitation? Do these attacks reveal more about the people making them than they do about Bishop Strickland? I'm very curious about that, so let me know in the comments, please. And like and subscribe if you haven't, it does help. So to sharing this on social media, that helps too. As always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.